good to have you with us tonight. Uh, I'm sharing the pulpit, and um, I told Jordan, but she told me more than anything what I should be saying. Isn't that true, Jordan? Not true. Okay. So uh, we're going to share and talk a little bit about some of the stuff we've been reading in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 together. We're talking about the family, family matters. Uh, family matters talk to God. It's not only family matters, but it really matters to God as well and to us as a church. So uh, I'm going to pray for Jordan. She has got from her side a word to all of us, and then I'm going to bring uh, something as well, and then we'll close as well. So uh, you know what? This church is so blessed, so absolutely blessed with some great, wonderful young people and young adults uh, who just serve God so well. And this young lady here is one of those, and I thank God for you. So let me pray for you and uh, trust God to speak through you. Father, thank you so much for Jordan. Thank you for the gifts and talents you've given to her. And we open up our hearts to receive now from you. Speak through her. And give her the freedom and confidence and infilling of the Spirit that she needs right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jordan. Hello, everyone. Um, I was told that this podium is very high, so when I put the bottle of water here, these people can't see me because I'm so short. <laughs> so I'm sorry if you can't see me there. Um, so it was such a privilege to be asked to um, speak today. And like Pastor Rilla said, I'm Jordan, and I work in the children's ministry here at the barn. And today I'm here to speak to you about being a godly child. Now, the first thing you would probably think is, all right, the 8 and 10 a.m. service was earlier, George. That's where you got to go speak to those children there. But no, actually, we are all children here sitting together. Um, whether our parents have passed on or our parents are still alive, just maybe in an old age home or something like that, we are still all children and we're also children of God, which is very important. When we go through the Word of God, um, sometimes we see that we start speaking to God and we say, okay, God, this is the lesson that you wanted me to learn here. And so we sometimes reflect on these scriptures knowing that we applied this then, but we didn't know that that's actually what the word of God said. And this is actually what happened to me when I was reading these um, scriptures now in Ephesians 6. I was really challenged and I was reminded of a time where I actually listened to God's word without knowing I did. Um, so there was a time in my life where um, my walk with God was just all over the place. Um, my parents were struggling to parent and guide me. I mean, I was struggling to parent and guide myself. And so I needed direction in my life, but I didn't know how to get there. I was searching for something, but I didn't know what it was. Um, but my mom, anyway, she phoned me and said, Hi, George, won't you just help the Hearties Barn Church hand out flyers? They're opening up soon, and we'd love you to do that. It's at Hearties, and uh, my family's from Hearties. So reluctantly, I said, Okay. And it was early on a Saturday morning I was living in Pretoria studying there at the time and it was rainy and cold so you can imagine how chirpy this young adult was um, that early in the morning with no cup of coffee you know that should just be illegal there should be a free cup of coffee as you walk out the door for anything yeah <laughs> and so as I went there I didn't know any of the people from the barn I'd met this legal once um, or twice before. Um, and so I knew she was going to be there, but my mom said, just go, just go. So I knew that it was important to her, so I went. We got there, and it was miserable, and we stood outside the spa, and we're handing out flies, and people are, like, dodging us. They really are not trusting what we're doing. I mean, people actually shielded their children from us and, like, don't talk to those people. And so we were like those people, and we're like, we're so sorry. And so realizing that we should do this on another day, um, Pastor Nick said, why don't we go to Wimpy and grab a cup of coffee? And so free coffee for any 
young person, like that's where, that's how you motivate us. And so I was motivated to go grab a cup of coffee with them. And so we were chatting and Lee mentioned the Zambia mission trip that was coming up. And she was saying that there's two spaces left, don't you want to come? So I didn't have anything to lose and I thought, yeah, sure, why not? My dad was like, you don't know those people, why are you going like across the border to an African country, like you don't know anybody there. And then but I was like, Dad, I want to do it. And so my parents allowed me to go, and I went. And that decision there, that first step, was the day that changed my life, and I didn't know. And so although I didn't have to obey my mom and hand out flyers, I did because I knew that it was important to her. I didn't see her godly intention for me at that moment. I just kind of listened and went. But that obedience would change my entire life and bring me closer to God. I didn't have to listen to her, but I chose to as her child. Her discipline would not would have looked a little bit different when I was younger. Okay, if she was here giving me a smack or apprehending me in front of you guys, you'd be like, she's an adult now, she's also married, why are you doing that? And it would all be just an awkward thing. But now it looks differently because I'm older and so we have a different relationship. But her position as my mother is still my mom. She's still my parent. And my response needs to still be her child. I realized while going through um, this passage of scripture that as adults, our position as children to our parents will never change. But our function as children to our parents will differ as we get older. I'm going to repeat that. As adults, our position as children to our parents will never change, but our function as children will look different as we get older. Unfortunately, the world has tainted our view of what it means to be a child. Immature, inexperienced, young. Some kids today even say, I'm not a child. But in fact, they are. We all are children. We are a child of God, and we are children to our earthly parents. We cannot allow it to be tainted by the world's view of what following God's commandments are or what it means to be a child of God. Our families need to be built on kingdom principles and not earthly suggestions because family matters. Ask if we can turn to Ephesians 6 verse 1 to 3 together. And in this passage it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul is addressing all children here. It's difficult difficult to navigate what being a child looks like as a teenager, as a young adult, as an adult, what it looks like to earthly parents. But when we call ourselves children of God, we're comfortable with the acknowledgement that he is our heavenly father. But I was challenged when I thought, but how can I expect to be a child to my heavenly father when I don't completely understand what it means to be a child to my earthly parents? And so there are three key points that I feel really challenged me. And if you're like me who likes to take notes, I'll stick to these points. (laughs) And I'd love to share them with you today as fellow children of somebody else. The first one is honor and obedience are necessary. The word obey means to hear, to listen attentively, by implication to conform to a command or authority. As children of God, we first need to obey God, hear him, listen attentively, conform to his authority, then we are able to do the same to our parents because we trust their position as our parents. I understand that parents fail and that some parents definitely should not be qualified to be parents, but they are. 
And we need to be weary here a little bit. It took me a while to understand that my parents are not lords over my life. What they say and do or their lack of parenting does not define who I am anymore. That changed when I left home and started my own life. We cannot, make, we cannot be defined by that, but instead the Lord of our life is Christ. And his sacrifice defines who we are, children of God. The word honor in verse 2 means to prize, fix evaluation upon, um, by implication, to revere. An expression of honor is to love. When we say we want to honor God, we love him. We want to show him how much we love him. And so in the same way, honoring our father and mother encompasses the intention of a godly love. In the book of 2 Timothy, we see the immense importance of what it means to obey our parents. He writes, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. Enlisting all the things that would happen in the last days, just being disobedient to our parents is one of them. I think Paul was addressing something that is so crucial to our walk with God that we need to obey our parents, that he put it in that list, which you wouldn't necessarily put it in there on a normal day. Jesus is a, shows, has an important, he gives us an important example of how to obey our parents. Um, in Luke 2 verse 49 to 52, as the story of when Jesus' parents left him in the temple. Um, and they went a day's journey and left Jesus behind. And then they panicked afterwards and realized that they left their child back in the city. I mean, that's like you leaving your children at children's church for a whole day. You definitely get a call from us. But I mean, that's quite scary. And so they raced back, came all the way back. And Jesus was confused. He was like, why, why, are, you, why are you concerned? Why didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? And so the Bible says that they didn't understand what he was saying to them. But instead of stamping his feet and trying to prove his point, the Bible says he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Jesus is the son of God, and yet he still honored his earthly parents. Even though they didn't understand, he knew that part of his call was to honor them. And it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a great ending to that story. And so this brings me to my next point, is that we cannot obey our parents. We cannot do this without the Lord. When we obey our parents in the Lord, we are able to place God in the sovereign position he belongs, place our parents into the authoritative, the authoritative position they hold, and place ourselves in the position where we have the capacity to love. I'm going to say that one more time. We are able to place God in the sovereign position he belongs, place our, our parents into authoritative position that they hold, and place ourselves in a position where we have the capacity to love. Because according to Colossians 3 verse 20, it says, to obey our parents pleases the Lord. But what does that love and obedience look like biblically? I mean, it's easy to talk about it, George, but how can we apply this to our life? 1 Corinthians 13, a verse we so freely use, but it's difficult to implement, says it all for us. It says, be patient with them and kind. Don't be arrogant or irritable in dealing with them. Do not re be resentful or keep records of their wrongs. Our love for our parents in the Lord should, according to verse 7, bear all things, hope all things, 
believe all things and endure all things. God's love towards us as a parent is expressed through his love by giving his son as a sacrifice. I have godly parents who intentionally pursued God's will for mine and my brother's life. As their children, though, it was difficult to follow because my friend's parents weren't taking them to church every Sunday or asking them what would Jesus do in this circumstance or not letting them go to church before we could get prayed for. We're like, come on, Dad. It's like, not before you get prayed for. It's like, okay, sorry. And so it's like, hey, Dad, remember that? It's like he would lay hands on us and we wouldn't be able to go to church without, I mean, school without us. But that day when I chose to obey my mom handing out flyers was a step that I took towards God's purpose for my life without me realizing it. Only now as an adult child, I see the godly love and grace that my parents brought into parenting us. It produced the wonderful fruit in my life I have today. The godly parenting I received created room for me to grow as a godly child, even without me knowing it. Today in my household, prayer is a habit Sundays are a joy, and what would Jesus do is the first question asked. This brings me to my next point, is that there is a reward. With our loving Father, there always is. In Ephesians 6 verse 2, it tells us that this commandment is the first one with a promise. Um, In Exodus 20 verse 12, it says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land, that the Lord your God is giving you. God found this to be such a crucial commandment to our functioning that he placed a reward at the end of it. When we understand our godly purpose in being a child to our parents, we can pursue the tough conversations, the love-filled respect, and godly patience and kindness. Our heavenly Father, in return, gives yet another gift to his good and faithful servants. For my dad's birthday, I was stumped at what I could get him. Okay, he has everything of his 50-something years. Sorry, Dad, don't want to out you here. And, but I started to listen to what he was saying, seeing what was of value to him. And then I figured it out. I got pictures framed of him, for him of his children that were just part of for his house that he could put up. And when I presented this present to him, the look on his face looked like we had traded places. I was now the parent. And this man in front of me was in awe of the gift that I had given to him. And in that moment, I realized that his prize is his children. Whether he deserves it or not, or whether I feel like a prize or not, it's not the main concern here. Because where there is grace and unity and love between a parent and their child, it feels as though our days are long in the land. I've been challenged by this passage in a way that I never knew I would be. That day, handing out flyers, I did not actively think that if I obeyed my parents or my mom, that there would be a reward. But because of the godly parenting I received, I knew that although it was a convenience to me, it was the right thing to do. My reward was a new church family and a new calling for my life. And so the first step there was obedience. I'm not perfect today, and I'm still navigating the nitty-gritties of what it what it looks like to be a godly child, but I know that when I pursue a godly response to my parents as a child of God, it is not out of obligation, but because I choose to. In so many Bible stories and passages of Scripture, we read about the obedience and honor that they, you and the character had was a stepping stone to the reward that God had for this child. We see that in David's story in his obedience to Saul, Ruth's story in her obedience to Naomi, Jesus' story, generations later, in his obedience to Joseph and Mary, and ultimately 
to God. The Holy Spirit brings us back to a place of grace and forgiveness, knowing that we always have room to start over with the people that started it all. So I challenge us here today. Let us obey our parents as adult children, honor them in an expression of godly love, and know that our parents' prize is us, whether they deserve it or not, or whether we feel like it, because God's promise is worth it all. Well done. You know what? I just want to ask you. In the first service, there were a number of comments after Jordan spoke on Facebook Live. It says, great sermon, Jordan. Well done. Won't you take your phones out now and while I speak, just say, well done, Rudolf. Amazing sermon. Even before I preach, you know, just so that I also feel a little bit better, you know. Uh, you know, Jordan spoke about our response to our parents. And, and one thing I wrote down, and, and you're so right, you know what? Our honor to our parents never changes. That's, that's we're gonna, we have to continue to do that. Our submission to them changes as we grow older, but honor belongs to them as our parents as well. You know, so, so we want to raise godly children. I think that's the aim of every parent, is to raise godly children, children who love Jesus and who are filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and go out there and just follow Christ as well. One of my greatest concerns when our children were, were growing up was not whether they would pass a test. I, I think it's sort of important that they did, uh, whether they fell off their bicycle and got hurt, you know, it's okay, we dealt with that. Going to the dentist and them crying, we dealt with that as well. My greatest concern for my children was their eternal destiny. I think the thing I prayed about most, I cried out to the Lord about most, the thing that I was concerned about most, especially in their teenage years when they wobbled a little bit in their faith and then they walked with God as well and testing the limits and the boundaries here a little bit. I think what I was concerned with most as a person is that my children would find and follow Christ because I believe my dear friends that your eternal destiny is too long to mess with it is just too long to forever be without God and so it was important for us so our concern was that we would have godly offspring because you know what Malachi chapter 2 verse 15 says exactly that it says has the Lord not made them one who's that you and me as husband and wife not you and me, me and my wife. In flesh and spirit, they are his. And why one is the question in that verse. He says, because he was seeking godly offspring. Isn't that amazing? That part of the reason that people get married is because God is seeking godly offspring. In other words, God wants my children to follow him. And that's why Carol and I became one. So let me give you also three points that uh, I would like you to take home with you tonight. Number one is in order to raise godly children, we must model godliness at home. One of the things I realize about you and me is that we imitate other people, don't we? And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Be imitators of God. Be imitators. Isn't it true that your kids do imitate you? Haven't you done things that your parents have done and picked up, you know what, I've got some certain habits that are just like my dad, just like my mom. Our latest grandchild or our youngest grandchild is two years old. He is suddenly, the last couple of months, so passionate about golf. 
He goes to bed with a little golf plastic, uh, golf stick. And you know why he's so passionate about golf? Because his dad is trying to play golf. And let's emphasize that. He's trying to play golf. You know, so, so little Benjamin goes to bed with that golf. He is so extremely, extremely sold out to that little golf club and that little ball. So yesterday I was testing him. I thought, you know, plastic golf ball at his age, who will know the difference? No, 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 no. We got into the car, offered him a plastic golf ball. Bryce had to go home. We were already down the road going somewhere. And Benji was kicking up such a fuss. He wanted the real golf ball. And we had to go back and get it. So what I'm saying to you today is that children imitate their parents. And sometimes as a parent, you see things in your kids and you think, oh my goodness, I know where they got that from. That was from Carol's side of the family, from my mother-in-law, uh, obviously, not from my side, you know. So you do see that, that, that kids actually pick up habits. And that's why the Bible says, be imitators of God, therefore. Because your kids will imitate you. So if you want to have a godly home, my dear friend, make sure that you model godliness at home. That's why um, um, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. And he says this, Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you, listen to this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Leave that one out a little bit on the board there. It says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Not only what you preach, but how you live. Watch it closely, Paul writes to Timothy. Because if you persevere in doing this, listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. You will save both yourself and your hearers. Who are your hearers in your home. Some of you are thinking, you know what? I'm not married yet. I'm telling you it's the best thing to hear about how to have a godly home is before you get married. And some of us have made some mistakes, some horrible mistakes in our lives. And it's never too late to say, I am sorry, I have messed up. That same verse in Timothy, if I translate it differently, it would say this, Timothy, if what you say doesn't match your actions, you will destroy those who follow you. That is quite a way to put it, isn't it? If your actions does not, or your, your, if what you say does not match your actions, you will destroy those who follow you. I think that is quite a challenge for us as individuals. You know, it's easy to say to your child, control your anger while you shout it to them. It is easy to say to your child, stop fighting at school while you're fighting with their mom or their dad all the time as well. You see, it's in the same way. It is easy for a parent to drop off their children at church because they have got to have some, found of, of, some form of foundation, spiritual foundation, so that they can make their own choice later, people tell me, only to realize that those children do not make that choice because their parents have not made that choice. It was just dropping them off conveniently for some soothing their conscience. You see, your kids follow you, my friend, follow me. And sometimes it's not nice to see what they follow. So the next point I want to say to you, and I'm going to not dwell on this, is parents, if you want to raise godly children, you must train them in the Word of God. Train them in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 to 13 says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver 
and search for it as for a hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What is it saying here? The Solomon is writing to his children and he says, Hey, my son, let me tell you something. Find, seek for, listen, turn your ear to wisdom. And wisdom is found in the Word of God. Seek after wisdom like you seek after precious things. That is what he's writing. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 9, Moses wrote to the Israelites and said to them this, These things, these commandments, not suggestions, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Now, I don't know if people in the Old Testament exactly physically did this and put everything and tied them down, but what the writer is saying is make sure that the Word of God is so imprinted on your children's hearts and on their lives as well. We are called, friends, to make sure that our kids hear and understand the Word of God if we want to have godly offspring. The last thing I want to say to you, which is almost like a swear word today, is if you want to raise godly children, you've got to discipline them. You've got to discipline them. And you know what? I, I, I go around and see a many undisciplined children, but actually what I see is many undisciplined parents behind those naughty brats. All right? In order to raise godly children, parents, you must discipline them. And the word discipline has got such a negative connotation today. And today people think when you give your children a spank, when you give them a hiding, is that you are abusing them. No, that's not what the word says. The word actually encourages us to discipline our children. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 to 11. It says here, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those that he loves. Have you ever tried that and say to your child, I'm not going to give you a, a hiding you'll remember for the rest of your life just because I love you? doesn't make sense, doesn't it? Don't do that because it doesn't make sense. But you know in your heart you're doing it just because you love them. Because listen to what it says. It goes on there and it says, He punishes those he accepts as sons. Endure hardship as discipline. In other words, when God puts you through the mill, when God's put you through some tough situations, you've got to just say to the Lord, you are making me a son. You are making me a daughter. You're putting me through this discipline in order to make something better out of my life as well. Don't neglect disciplining your children. You see, there is two kinds of discipline. One is corrective uh, communication, and the other one the Bible speaks about is punishment. And today we're going to the, the psychological way. Is everything is corrective uh, uh, communication. Johnny, don't do that. And Johnny does it. Johnny, I'm going to put a, a, a star on the back of your mirror or whatever your doorpost or whatever you do that if you obey me. And, and Johnny gets a star and he's happy for a little while. And Johnny is very un, uh, uh, bad again. Johnny, I'm going to take that star away. Now, how many of us are teenagers that are watching this or here tonight? How many of you really care about that star when you're 16, 17, 18, 19 years old? Forget that. So it doesn't work, the psychological stuff. But the world is training us not to discipline our children. And there is room for corrective communication, especially when children are growing older as well. But also for punishment. And listen to what the Bible says, not Ruloff. Listen, I didn't go out there with a rod in my hand and say, Yeehaw, it's Bryce's turn tonight. 
You know, I never did that. I, it's not nice for a, pa- a parent to hear that child scream at the top of their voices even before you get to the door. That's not fun. I remember that was Carissa's trick, my daughter, who's now 34 years old. And I would just say, wooden spoon, ah, I'll never do that again, you know. And Bryce just defied me. Just looked at me like that. He really challenged me to hit him even harder. Where do I get that from? Not because I like that. Not because I like that. Listen to the Bible. It says here in Proverbs 23, 13 to 14, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, he will not die. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Oh my no, your kid's not going to die. It's going to be very good for them in the long run. The Bible says it. Don't worry, he's not going to die. Punish him with a rod. Now listen to this part. And save him from Sheol. Other translations say save him from death. That word Sheol or death means save him from hell. Yes. Save him from hell. Save her from hell. Proverbs chapter 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son or his daughter. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him or her. You see, the Bible says there's corrective communication. That's cool. But there's a time in their life, especially as they grow up and younger, where the, the, the way to correct is discipline, physical discipline. And you say, well, Rulof, isn't that word rod used symbolically? No, it's not. It is not symbolism. Use him with an imaginary kind of, uh, hit him with an imaginary kind of rod. No, it means rod. It means stick. It means cane. It means something that hurts their bum. One thing that I've worked out when my kids were small is that it's amazing when the bum hurts how the mind changes. It is amazing how that happens. You know, and, and when they get older, all you do is, is, is just the wooden spoon and their mind is already changing. But that's what the Bible says. You see, corporal punishment, my dear friend, is biblical. It is not nice for a parent, but it's biblical. It's what we've got to do in order to bring our children up in a disciplined way as well. It is, it is done all through the ages in biblical times, even to adults who were disobedient. God corporal punishment. 39 lashes, 40 lashes minus one. Few people, it says it in the Bible, it happened to them as well. Now I know discipline changes as children grow older. In our home, it did as well. When my kids were small and very small, I was an authoritarian father, obviously in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in a nice way. But what I said was the law. And if you didn't obey the law, you got the rod. You got the hiding. I needed to set things in place for my children to obey, not only me, but to obey the Lord. Because if a child does not learn how to obey parents, they will not obey the Lord. Because it's easy to say no to mom and dad. It is definitely easier to say no to a God that they don't see. So, I was this disciplinarian father. My mother-in-law said to me once or twice, don't do that. I said, mom, this is my job. I've got to do this. I don't enjoy this, but I've got to do this. Then my kids grew a bit older, and I became a negotiating father. Whereas they grew into their teenage years, I... The punishment was less, the negotiation was more. And from time to time, I looked at them and I thought, I told you what I think is right. I know you're going to do the wrong thing. You've just got to suffer the consequences now. That's hard. That is extremely hard. 
when you see your children do things and you know they're going to hurt themselves. But you've got to allow them. And as they grow up more and more, you negotiate and you don't punish. Because if you continue to punish as they grow up, you breed rebels. And thank God that didn't happen in our home, the rebel part. The last bit of my fatherhood is now that I'm a mature man, 60, and my kids are all in their 30s and higher, is that I am just an advisory father. I don't mix in. I don't tell them what to do unless they ask me. Is that right, Amore? Okay, so unless you ask me. All right, so uh, I, I maybe once or twice have given my opinion strongly when I felt my kids should do something else while they're married. But I don't do that because now all my job is, is to give advice when they ask. And uh, I encourage you, Jordan and I encourage you today. Won't you take a hard look at how you treat your parents won't you take a hard look at how you discipline and correct your children? And I trust God that as we have gone through this last couple of weeks of the role of a husband, the role of a, of, of, of a wife, and now the role of a child, and also the role of a parent, that God will really help us to grow and build godly families for His glory and for His honor.